Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I want to challenge every one of you to ask the Lord this question. Lord, how does the Great Commission work itself out in my life? Please show me and lead me to do that very thing that you have created me to do in relation to your Great Commission. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, in a message titled, The Gospel to All the World. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Well, a week later, they were in that same room. Thomas was there this time, and Jesus suddenly appears in their midst, and he says, Thomas, come and touch me and see. And then he says to Thomas, and do not continue to be unbelieving, but believe. And so Mark just gives us a summary, a very brief summary of what happened there. And so, like I said, we see that the verses, whether they were original or not, are accurate reporting of what did happen. So those are the couple of things that I wanted to just address initially. But the main thing that I want us to focus on today is what we commonly call the Great Commission and Mark's version of it. So you find this in Matthew. In every one of the Gospels, you find the Great Commission. Matthew says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. It's very similar to Mark's Great Commission. Luke's is a little bit different because it's a little more detailed. And then John's is considerably different because John doesn't record this particular wording for us. But John tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So that's the Great Commission as John records it. But here, the Great Commission is stated in verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the translation of the New King James. Uh, You could translate it, go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Um, I like the way the NLT puts it, go into the world and preach the gospel to everyone. That's what's being commanded here. Now, I want us to see, first of all, we'll break these five things down, but I want us to see that this has a twofold application because Jesus is talking to a very specific group of people here. He's not talking to just a general audience. So it's like, here we are, if Jesus was here today and he was giving the Great Commission it wouldn't be to everyone in the room. It would maybe be to a select, a handful. And for that handful, who he's called to this specific task, these words apply, but then they also have a a little bit of a broader and a different application for the rest of us. So I think everyone who is a believer has a responsibility to respond to the Great Commission, but... The response is different. 
It's not the same for everybody. So first, let's walk through the, the points here. There's basically five points. Number one, go. Go into all the world. Now, he didn't say stay right where you're at and don't worry about it. I'll send everybody to you. Although that is initially what did happen because everybody came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And so the Lord brought them there and that's how everything began. But then they were to ultimately leave Jerusalem and to begin to go out into all the world. We know from the book of Acts that things got a little bogged down. And you can understand why they got bogged down because Jerusalem was exciting. It was the place to be. Man, God was working. And why go anywhere? Let's just stay here and enjoy this wonderful thing that God's doing. But then, because the Lord had told them to go and they weren't going, he allows persecution to come. And you know what the result of the persecution is? And those who believed went everywhere preaching the gospel as they went. That's what they were supposed to do in the first place. So there is this command to go. And this command for some people is very specific. God calls some people to go. He calls some people to leave the comforts of home. He calls them to leave the comforts of family and culture. And he calls them to go into an entirely different place. And he's always done that. He's done that through all history. And guess what? He's still doing that today. And there might be some listening to my voice today. God is actually calling you or he's going to call you to go somewhere. He's going to call you for the gospel's sake to leave where you're at currently. And he's going to call you maybe to another city. He might call you to another state if it's in the context of the United States. He might call you out of the United States to another country. He might call you to a country that's fairly similar to this country, a Western country that's life is maybe just a, a little bit different culturally and, and language-wise, but it's very similar. He might call you to a place that is so unbelievably different. You can even imagine it, but he's going to call you there and he's going to send you there. So that's what he does. He calls us to go. And second point, he calls us to go everywhere. He calls us to go everywhere. We're to go into all the world. And there's not a single place or a single people group that Christ is not wanting to bring the gospel to. And we go everywhere and we preach. So here's where I want us to see a distinction. The commission here specifically to preach the gospel is a commission that's given to these men and those people who will be like them in calling throughout the ages. Because the word preach here means literally to proclaim. It means to herald it. And that's what they did. So they were proclaimers. They were heralds of the word. They were apostles. And so they went out and they were given the calling to go proclaim. They were preachers. Now, not every Christian is a preacher in that sense. That's why I want to make this distinction here. Because the one who does this is the one who's called to do it, to go out as that proclaiming voice. But like I said, the application is to all of us 
So what about those who are not called to preach? Well, for those who are not called to preach, we are to go and we are to speak. So some go and herald, proclaim, those who are called to do that. Some go and speak and they tell the story as they go. And it's interesting in Acts when it talks about the people being scattered and it says specifically, except the apostles. So the proclaimers, the preachers aren't scattered. They stay for a season, but everybody else is scattered. And it says that they went everywhere preaching the gospel, but the word for preach there is not the same word as it is here. What they did is they went and they basically talked about the story of Christ. So you see, there's kind of two categories. There are people that are called as preachers, as apostles, as evangelists, as proclaimers that are to go. And then there are people who are called as storytellers. Storytellers in the sense of you're telling the story of the gospel. So you're going to do that maybe in the context of your job or maybe in the community that you're at. So these are, like I said, they're, they're two things. Some go, some stay, some preach, some speak. So in other words, the application is to all of us, but it's not, it doesn't work itself out in exactly the same way. So preach what? Preach the gospel. The gospel, the word gospel the Greek word is euangelion. That is the word that we translate into evangelism or evangelical. You can see the connection there. And it's the word that means good news. That, that's, what, that's what this word means. Gospel means good news. Go into the world and preach the good news. And, you know, I think today Christians need to realize this and remember this. Our message is the good news. It's not the bad news. Now, you've, you've probably heard the term. As a matter of fact, somebody just said it to me a week and a half ago because they were going to come to church and they said this. They said, so is it going to be hellfire and brimstone when I come? And, and that's a term. People t think about, a, you know, that's a hellfire and brimstone preacher. Now, I believe in hell. I believe there is a judgment. But I don't believe that that is the way you lead when you want to talk about good news. Good news. Well, the good news is you're not going to hell. That's the, the good news. But the good news is that Christ, he took care of your sins that had you indebted to God and unable to pay your debt, Jesus dealt with that. He took care of that. The good news is that Christ died and is risen. Our sins can be forgiven and we can be reconciled to God and given eternal life. So in other words, what I'm saying is that the message, our first message or the way we lead with this message is to remember it's good news. And it's good news about what Jesus did. Now, there's a time to add the bad news for those who are re resistant, but we shouldn't lead off with the bad news. We should lead off with the good news. That's what Jesus said. 
Go into the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. And like I said, I think we as Christians need to remember this. We need to remember two things. Number one, it's the good news. Secondly, it's about what Jesus has done. Because sometimes as Christians, and especially in our culture, sometimes we end up preaching, and we're not preaching either the good news, nor are we really preaching what Jesus did. We're preaching something else. We're preaching sometimes like a morality. Hey, you shouldn't be living that way. Hey, did you know that's wrong? That's a sin. You better not do that. You, you should stop doing that. Sometimes that's how Christians approach things. And some, there's some things that we, we kind of tend to naturally think are worse than others. So then we're going to drill down even more harshly on, on some of those kinds of things. But that's not preaching good news. That's not preaching Jesus. That's preaching a moralistic kind of a message. You shouldn't be living this way. You shouldn't be doing those things. You should be living like this. That's not the message. The message is about Christ. And Christ, guess what? When people meet Christ, those things get sorted out. That's what he does. He deals with it. He shows them. You shouldn't be living this way. You can't live this way anymore. And I'm going to give you power to not live this way. So we want to make sure that we are preaching, proclaiming, and speaking the good news that has to do with what Christ did for us. So let's be leading with Jesus when we have conversations with people. Try to make a beeline to what Jesus has done. And many times it's a good, good way to get into that is to just what Jesus has done for you. What he's done in your life. The good news as you've received it. And of course, if we really are proclaimers of good news... You know, when somebody proclaims good news, they proclaim it joyfully, right? When you've got some great news, you're like, oh gosh, this is the best news. I can't wait to tell people about it. There's just a, there's a built-in enthusiasm and joy about it because it's such good news. And so that's what they were to do. And then to all creation, to every tribe, to every language group, to every people, to every nation, there's no one excluded. God is the God of all people. Christ is the Savior of all people. And so the message is to go to everyone. Now, when we think about that, though, I think we would probably all, to some degree, feel a bit daunted by the task. I know I do sometimes. Sometimes I think, wow, it's just so overwhelming the task of, of getting the gospel to people. And undoubtedly, the disciples felt the same way. How are we going to do this? Well, here's the great news. <laughs> we get empowered by God to do it. We don't do this through our own strength. We don't do this through our own wisdom. We don't do this through our own intellect or ability to articulate or whatever it is. We do this through the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives to those that he sends out. And that's what we see as we read here. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's power. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. 
and uh, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, every one of those things, with the exception of the drinking of anything deadly, we can find an example of that in the book of Acts. That's what they did. And let me just say, what they did then is what God wants to empower us to do today. So the Lord hasn't just called us to go do this. He's going to supply us with the power to do it, the supernatural power to do it. And we read verse 20, the final verse, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So you see, that's how it works. God's commissioned all of us to basically accomplish the same thing through slightly different means. Some he's called and equipped to proclaim, to preach, to herald. Some he's called and equipped to speak and to tell the story. Some are to go. Some are to stay and help people go. And of course, stay and reach the immediate area. Remember too, in the book of Acts, the message as the spirit came upon them, Jesus said, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So it starts at home. You'll be a witness here. And then you'll go a little bit further out. And then you'll go a little bit further out from there. And then eventually you're going to go out to the very ends of the earth. And that's the way it works. And so as we close today, I want to say one final thing here, and it has to do with verse 16. And remember, these are the words of Jesus. He says, those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. So it's an urgent message because eternity is what's at stake. And so those who believe will be saved. They will be saved from their sins, from the consequences of their sin, from the penalty of their sin, from the debt that their sin has incurred before God. They will be saved from that because Jesus takes care of that. Now, baptism is added here, but it's clear that baptism, there's no place in scripture where it says that baptism saves you or is the means to save you. And we see that those who are condemned are not condemned for their failure to be baptized, but they're condemned for their failure to believe. But why does it say baptism here? Well, it says baptism here because baptism was the way in the ancient world, especially where you identified as a believer. So the person who believes, they make the public declaration of their faith through baptism. So I think that's why it's added here. But it's not required for salvation. There's, there's nothing to support from the scripture that baptism is necessary for salvation. But it's stated here, as I said, because it was the outward show of a person being converted, being saved. So, but notice, the ones who believe will be saved, but the ones who do not believe will be condemned. So there is that reality. There is the reality that there is a judgment day that's coming. And 
those who refuse the salvation that Christ offers will then have to pay for their sins themselves. And the price is an eternal separation from God. And so it's an urgent matter. And so we want to go forth responding to that commission. And I want to leave you with this today. I want to challenge every one of you to ask the Lord this question. Lord, how does the Great Commission work itself out in my life? Please show me and lead me to do that very thing that you have created me to do in relation to your Great Commission. Some of you, if you're serious about that, guess what? One day, I don't know when, one day you're going to go. You're going to go somewhere else because there's tons of need everywhere. For others of you, you're going to go into your regular environment with a completely different perspective, a completely different attitude, and a completely different approach to life. Some of you are going to realize that God's called me to send. I'm a sender. So I'm going to contribute. I'm going to give resources so others can go. And I'm going to be connected to them going. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to root for them. I'm going to try to encourage them. And I'm going to be part of sending them, not just by writing a check, but I'm going to write a check. And then I'm going to, I'm going to pray for them and, and support them in the, the more personal kinds of ways. You see, we're all called to engage in the Great Commission. But I think that we all also must, in all sincerity, ask the Lord to show us what that looks like for us. And know it will look like one of these things. And then take that step of faith to begin to do it. You know, faith is a huge factor. Because whenever you're going to take a step in the direction of serving God, there are going to be all kinds of suggestions come your way that for various reasons, you know, you, you shouldn't do this. Some of it's going to simply be, you are not qualified to do this. You might as well just get that thought out of your mind. And you've got to resist that thought and realize that God, he qualifies. He equips, he prepares those that he sends. And, you know, there will be a number of different things. Oh, well, I'm not worthy to do this. Well, nobody's really worthy to do anything. But God makes us worthy through the work of Christ in our lives. Because I'm convinced that all of us are to be part of this. But how that works itself out personally is something that you need to connect with the Lord over and let him reveal that to you. And so... I think we can safely say that as we come to the conclusion of the gospel of Mark, I mean, this is the whole story is laid out for us by Mark to bring us to the place where we realize that Jesus is the savior of the world and we join him in his mission to reach people all over the world. So this is like the climactic moment of the, this is what the whole gospel was, was leading toward, that we would then lay hold by faith of that vision and that we would go forth into all the world with the good news.
for the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. Gender identity, same-sex marriage, and women empowerment are among the biggest social issues of our time. But there's also a worldwide injustice of slavery that has found its way into our homes and into our pockets. The slavery of pornography. Multitudes of men and women today are in bondage and enslaved to pornography. So how can men and women be liberated? Well, in his book, The Death of Porn, Ray Ortland shares wise and biblical advice as a father to a son, reminding us of our royal identity because of our relationship with God through Christ. To learn about how the bondage of pornography can be broken, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we begin a new series in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.